Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I want you to know that the mothership has landed. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, my brother? I want permission to come aboard the mothership. Asking permission to join a sports talk spaceship? Well, we're all a little crazy. The mothership has connected. The mothership, the, the, the mothership. Let's go, man! I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. Happy Wednesday, boys and girls. One question, one question only. How do you feel? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. Hey, that's all that really matters, and we appreciate you being with us on this fine Wednesday morning. Coming up this hour on the show. Steve Largent joins us, one of the all-time great NFL legends, one of the most productive wide receivers ever. Basically, he held all of the receiving records that Jerry Rice ended up breaking, but Steve Largent was the man in the 70s and 80s. Can't wait to talk to Steve Largent coming up here on the show in about 20 minutes from now. Also, we've got advanced analytics behind the poll question, would you want to be a 26-year-old college football player? as Cam McDonald, tight end for the Miami Hurricanes, had seven years, seven of them, at Oregon, and now is at Miami and is petitioning the NCAA for a ninth year of eligibility. Plus, we'll have your epic fail of the morning as well. Our next guest covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. Drop it on by this morning here on the program is Charles McDonald. Charles, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing great, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us. There's a lot of people putting the Cowboys atop their NFL power rankings. They've outscored opponents 70 to 10 of the first two weeks. However, it's the Giants and the Jets. So do you think the Cowboys right now are the best team in the NFL? Um, I mean, I think they belong in that discussion for sure. Uh, coming coming into the uh, coming into the season, they were deemed to have one of the best rosters in football. I mean, their defense is loaded with talent. Uh, we see what Micah Parsons has done over the first couple weeks. He might be uh, the most dominant player in all of football now. I uh, and I think we just look at where they are in relation to uh, the rest of the NFC. They you know, I, I think it's between them, San Francisco, and Philly, like we thought coming into the season, that uh, are looking like the teams that are going to hold it down. So, you know, I, I think that that there's definitely uh, a reasonable 
uh, reason, I guess, to have uh, Dallas at the top of your power rankings. But you know, I'm 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 still uh, leaning towards a team that has Patrick Mahomes. I know it's been a little shaky for them through the first two games, but that doesn't really mean much when you have that guy behind center. I think they'll end up figuring it out, and uh, uh, it's not like they're they're about to play the the gauntlet here. They've got a pretty easy schedule coming up, so I think you know Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles. Uh, 49ers, like those are kind of the teams that I'll put at the top of the league. Why do you think the Eagles have had a little bit of problems getting their their offense into a rhythm like they were in for most of last year? Well, I mean, they've, they've got a new offensive coordinator, right? Because Shane Steichen went to Indianapolis. Uh, so now you've got Brian Johnson, who's calling plays for Philadelphia and I are, are helping Nick Sirianni call plays. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I, I think for where the Eagles are, maybe they just haven't figured out how to get Hurts to mess with, um, you know, some of the new play calling with Brian Johnson. Because look, as talented as a player is, as Hurts is, and as important as he's become, like there's still a whole lot of room for him to grow um, as a passer. I think I think we've seen some of that this week. So um, I I I'm a big fan of where the Eagles are right now. I like. Uh, the pieces they have, but I think they're just kind of in a big, a, a little, a bit of a, excuse me, a bit of a transition period right now where, uh, you know, you've got some new pieces coming together on offense. You got the new running back room, new offensive coordinator, the quarterback's still young and really he's only done it for one year. So, uh, you got to see if he can, can, can keep stacking those games back to back to back, uh, and, you know, try to keep building that offense, get it back to where it was last year. Charles McDonald writes for the NFL or writes for Yahoo Sports about the NFL and joins us this morning here on the DA Show. 14 straight, the the Jets have lost to the Patriots, and now they got to do it, try to break that streak with Zach Wilson. Do they stand a chance in knocking off New England? Uh, <laughs> oof. That's a tough, that's tough. Uh, I would say probably not really, uh, only because you know, Zach is, He's just he's just really struggled, man. And I think last year, or really the past couple of years, whenever he's played the Patriots, uh, it hasn't really just been bad. It's kind of been one of those like apocalyptically bad performances that make you question, like how did this end up in a spot where he's picked number two overall? Uh, and you know, it, it, it to me it's kind of funny where the the Jets are they're so adamant that Zach is going to be the long term starter and he's going to be a part of their team for a long time. But they were also desperately trying to replace him this offseason. Uh, you know, courting Derek Carr and telling Derek Carr that he could be a Hall of Famer if he played for the Jets. Uh, you know, you, you eventually get a trade for Aaron Rodgers. That goes down in four plays. And now, you know, you, you're back on the Zach show. Um, and I think as we've seen in the past two weeks, it's it's not that great. But, hey, if there is a chance that the Jets have to kind of get across the finish line, they play really good defense, though. I don't think that that Dallas game was um, super indicative of where they are as a defense. You know, I think sometimes, uh, sometimes Saleh and Jeff Ulbricht they can get themselves diced up by some of the better offenses in the league. But uh, this isn't quite that with New England. I think they're a better coached offense, a more improved offense, but certainly not an offense talented enough to take down a team. Uh, like the Jets, that has you know just stars all over the place. So I would kind of expect this to look like last year's game, where um, I think the Patriots won on a punt return, where 
Uh, neither offense did a whole lot, but you got a big play on special teams to, to push you over the top. In Chicago, you blame the quarterback or the coaches? Um, both, for sure. Like they they haven't um, they have not built an offense that, especially this year, that's been suited to Justin Fields' strength, which is kind of weird because they know what that looks like from last year. You know, you have you had this transition last year where you're starting off with a big drop back past the game. You realize it doesn't work, and now you're moving through uh, like your quarterback run package and RPO, which is pretty successful for them towards the end of the season. Just in terms of them to be able to generate offense, right, in, in a in a uh, with a roster that doesn't really suggest that you'd be able to score a whole lot of points, and now they're kind of doing the same thing all over again. But like you already collected that data point, you already know how it's supposed to work. And look, I, I think it's also a diamond on the quarterback that you can't really run a drop back passing game, and that's that's not a good thing to to know or find out about your number 10 overall pick that you traded up for. But at the same time, he's one of the few quarterbacks in football that legitimately runs a 4-3. He's super-duper athletic, and he still does have the arm talent to make some big throws. Like There is absolutely an avenue to have a more productive offense with that skill set than what they've had. So I would say it's, it's a bit of everything. I think the coaches want this thing to look one way, but – you got to play the hands you're dealt, and the hands you're dealt is someone who is supremely athletic, but still working on throwing skills. So you might as well cater to that while you, you know, they try to get the rest up to speed. Finally, Matt Canada in Pittsburgh is the source of much ire yet again. Offensive coordinator Steelers fans don't like him; they're booing him. They want him fired. Can the Steelers change who they are if Canada remains the OC? Um, I, I got I think my hot take is I don't think that. So far, it's really a Canada problem. I think it's a quarterback problem. What are you supposed to do when your quarterback is, you know, throwing interceptions to guys on the slants right in front of him or, you know, turfing passes and skipping them across the ground when the guys are open across the field? I, 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 look, I, I don't think Matt Canada is a, a great offensive coordinator, but I don't really think that any offensive coordinator would be able to succeed with the way that Kenny Pickett's playing right now. He, you know, it's one of those situations where the game just looks way too fast for him. And, you know, athletically, in college, he was this guy that could run around and make a whole lot of plays, and it took him five years to figure it out, but he had this breakout season at the la- in his last year at Pitt. And those are guys, typically, when you're going through the draft process where you see four years of no production and five years, and then in the fifth year you see one, those are guys that tend to be like red flag quarterback prospects or red flag prospects where you're like, well, why did it take you so long to get up to speed in college? And why should that make me confident that you're going to be one of these guys in the NFL? And I think with Pickett, he just he looks like a guy where it took him that long to get going in college, but you don't get that same amount of speed in the NFL. So I understand why they're frustrated with Matt Canada. Um, the run game's been pretty pretty poor um, over the past couple of years. The passing game hasn't been great, but as long as Kenny Pickett is going to play in the manner that he is, it really doesn't matter who your offensive coordinator is. Charles McDonald covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. Also, the Exempt List podcast. Follow him on Twitter at 4Verts, F-O-U-R-V-E-R-T-S, 4Verts on Twitter. Charles, good stuff today, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, guys. You got it, buddy. Charles McDonald, Yahoo Sports, our guest this morning here on the show. Got a good one coming up here on the show in the next segment as well. Full NFL this hour. 
How about this? Steve Largen is going to join us. One of the great all-time NFL legends, wide receiver that caught so many big passes and so many touchdowns and set so many records for the Seahawks back in the 70s and 80s, is going to join us coming up here next. We'll take a break, come back with Steve. This is the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. I think it's what makes this show great. I think it made it's personal. It's everybody knows they feel comfortable. Your, your information is outstanding, but the banter and the comfort level, and uh, you can't get this on other shows. DA on CBS Sports Radio. And this portion of the show is sponsored by the United States Postal Service, introducing USPS Ground Advantage, reliable and affordable two to five day package shipping, the United States Postal Service. Coming up in a few minutes, Steve Largen is set to join us. One of the all Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a great wide receivers in NFL history. Excited about that. Pro Football Hall of Famer. But first a note on the Colorado Buffaloes. CU's double overtime win over Colorado State is the most watched college football game of the season through three weeks. It is the fifth most watched college football game in ESPN's history. That's the big one. Now, number one, Colorado State was part of the most watched college football game so far of the year. That's wild. The Rocky Mountain Showdown barely registers a national blip on the radar, and this was the most watched college football game of the season. But that out of all of the decades ESPN has had college football, that's the fifth most 
watched game. Through its three games, CU has had 25 million viewers, by far the most of the country. So nobody has watched more. More people have not watched any other program. Alabama, take your pick, USC, Ohio State, Michigan. More people have watched Colorado than any other program through three weeks. And there's been, of the top five most watched games of the year, Colorado's had three of them. Now, part of this is they've been scheduled well. They had TCU to start off the season, then Nebraska, then Colorado State. And so, you know, you have two Power Five schools to, to start things with Colorado. It's a tough schedule. TCU, they're a Pac-12 team still, so that's a Big 12 matchup. Team that just went to the national championship game. Nebraska, a Big Ten squad, old rival. And then they got the bonus of Colorado State and their coach, Jay Norvell, who took his shot at Dion. So that was the hype intrinsically. It was already building for Dion, but then they got that. But I think also this kind of perfect storm where the scheduling has been good, early season in college football, there's not really a lot to hang your hat on. There's so few big matchups. Is that Dion has made something that has been about tradition, legacy, old schoolness, fresh. College football, and this is why I love college football, the jerseys don't change much. You don't leverage your city to leave for another city for a new stadium. Same stadiums. And just add on an end zone. Add on an upper deck. Add on some luxury suites. This is the same stadiums we've had for 75 years. I love Penn State's uniforms. I love them. Absolutely, I think they're beautiful, gorgeous. Dion is walking into something that's been about traditions and legacy and alumni, and the same, that Saturdays in the fall for your school has been the same since you went to school or you grew up watching that school or your dad went to that school or your mom went to that school or maybe when your grandparents went to that school. That's That works in college football. It's what it is. And Dion walked in and pulled the grenade on, pulled the pin of the grenade and blew it all up. It's so different. It's so... When do you ever see celebrities every week on the sideline of college football games? Okay, Snoop shows up to a few USC games, Will Farrell, and we all just kind of chalk that up as, oh, that's the L.A. thing. When do you ever see Wu-Tang on the sidelines of a college football game? It's not built that way. And because it's so new and so unique and so fresh, people are like, I got I to gotta tune in. It's like one big carnival that has never quite been. And I think the only thing I can relate it to were the Miami Hurricanes teams of the 80s and 90s that were so swashbuckling that they showed up to the Fiesta Bowl wearing camos, fatigues, walking off the plane. The Jimmy Johnson kind of like screw you'd to anybody that questioned the integrity of the program. We're here to fight. We don't... This is who we are. We're going to dance. We're going to showboat. We're going to run out of the tunnel or run back into the tunnel. 
We will trash talk you all day long. We'll show up in camos. We don't give a bleep. No school did that before, and really no school's done it since, and Miami's still hanging on to that when they were renegades. And it made Miami so unbelievably interesting. Many people across America thought they were the end of college football. You couldn't have student-athletes act this way, coaches act this way, programs be so rogue. And college football went on. But the thing that melds and connects both Miami of the 80s and 90s and Dion is that they won. Dion's shtick is boring if they lose. If they were one in two with a win over Colorado State in regulation 31 to 20, they're unranked losers to a couple of power teams. You know, nobody would really care. It'd be like, oh, yeah, Dion's coaching Colorado. Let's see what they get going. It's kind of interesting, but people would move on. The fact is he has ratcheted up the sound every week because there's something on the line. They're ranked. They're undefeated. People are betting on them. If you're 1-2, and two, you're 0-3. If they're 4-8, and eight, it's not that interesting anymore. Miami was interesting because Miami won national championships. Miami was interesting because Miami competed for national championships. Miami was interesting because they kept pumping out NFL first-round talent. So you just had to watch NFL on Sunday to see Bernie Kosar, Vinny Testaverde, Warren Sapp, Michael Irvin. Go down the list. It was just stud after stud after stud after stud after stud. Jim Kelly, Cortez Kennedy. I mean, the entire league was like, oh, there's a you, there's a you, there's a Kane, there's a Kane. You got to win. And the 49ers are not going to sit around uh, their dining table around you know, the mess hall or their hotel on the road on Saturday night and whoop it up like Fred Warner said as though it was the Super Bowl if it's an unranked one and two Colorado team. It's just, that's not that interesting. Got to win. Miami won. Colorado's winning. They won't win like this forever. They might get their butts handed to them this week by Oregon. But we'll see what the attention's like if they end up at 4-8, and eight, which I, seems like they're much better than that. But now they lose Travis Hunter, lacerated liver, which is kind of a crazy injury, but he took a few big shots in this game against the Rams. And... If you're going to talk like this and have the style and have the substance, you do, there has to be an element of winning. You don't have to win everything. I mean, Dion was famous and he was famous before he won a Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons. He was famous. So you you can be famous, but the team only resonates. It's not like Falcons games were always the highest rated game of the weekend. You still got to win. And they're doing that in Colorado. And that's, that's a huge piece of this puzzle. It makes it feel like it's important to watch Colorado, and that'll happen this weekend when they take on Oregon. You can hit us up on Twitter. DA on CBS is the Twitter handle. Again, DA on CBS. And let's not forget that Dan Lanning, head coach of Oregon, took his shot at Pac-12 Media Days. But who are they? What have they, what have they ever won about Colorado? So there's that 
bulletin board material as well. We are scheduled to have Steve Largent join us here on the show here shortly, but we're trying to get him connected. So hopefully we'll get him on before the end of the hour. Just got to kind of stay locked in here. Maybe we'll get Bogues in here a little early so we can do the, the update a little early just to make sure we stay on track perhaps for, for Steve. But I was talking about this to begin the show with the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I mentioned this to Charles McDonald. The Cowboys being regarded as the best team in the NFL right now is really premature. And I get that it's kind of silly to do power rankings anyway this early. But let's also remember the competition that they played. And it's much different if the Dallas Cowboys would have beaten in one of those two games the Niners, the Eagles, the Chiefs, one of the truly great teams of the NFL. Right now, I don't think we have a gauge at all on who the Cowboys really are. Because a game got away from the Giants on a couple of fluky plays. Cowboys were much better, but they're not 40 points better than the Giants. They beat Zach Wilson. Everyone's going to beat Zach Wilson. All right, Bogues is in here right now for your headlines. And, D.A., let's go right back to Dion in Colorado. There should be no death threats to condemn in the first place, but there were death threats for Colorado State defensive back Henry Blackburn and his family for the hit that injured receiver Travis Hunter Saturday night. Dion telling people... To stop being terrible. I'm saddened if there's any of our fans that's on the other side of those threats. I would hope and pray not. But that kid was just playing the best of his ability. And he made a mistake. Dion did say the hit might have been dirty. Maybe it wasn't. And that was an important thing for Dion to say. Yes. You know, because he, he could have gone the route of it was a dirty hit. You know, he'll pay in the future. You can't do that. But when Dion says, hey, man, Chili was just playing football, of course, every coach is going to say, don't send death threats. That's obvious. But the fact that he said it's just football was important for Dion to say. Although I wonder, like, is this is this one of the kind of side effects of Dion being Dion and ginning up all this excitement is Colorado State played a, a mean game Saturday. Absolutely. Is Dion accidentally putting his players in danger by talking and going back and forth the way that he does? Maybe not accidentally. I mean, it's probably to him just part of the war of football, but right. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hunter, by the way, is out of the hospital, does have that lacerated liver expected to miss a couple of weeks. Maybe it's legit. Maybe it's gamesmanship. Giants head coach Brian Dable would not yesterday rule out Saquon Barkley for Thursday Night Football at the Niners. Dable said Barkley's ankle is already feeling better. The Bengals don't practice today since they don't play till Monday night, so no official Joe Burrow update until tomorrow probably. But NFL Network says Burrow's right calf is feeling a little bit better. Lions defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson may have suffered a season-ending torn peck in Sunday's loss to Seattle. He went on IR yesterday, and former Browns running back Kareem Hunt was in Cleveland yesterday following Nick Chubb's season-ending knee injury. The Browns still have not shared Chubb's full diagnosis. The Arizona Diamondbacks doing anything to keep control of a wildcard spot. Here's the pitch where the runner's going. Bailey down to third, and Carroll gets in safely as the ball gets away. And now Carroll's coming to the plate, and he's safe. The ball gets away. Here comes Marte. Throw to the plate. He's safe. Oh, what exciting baseball by the Diamondbacks. Greg Schulte on Diamondbacks Radio. A double steal from Arizona. A double error from San Francisco getting two runs in. The D-backs win eight. 
8-4. They stay a half game up on the Cubs for the second wild card spot. The Giants now three games behind Chicago. The Brewers got a 7-3 win in St. Louis. That drops their magic number for the NL Central to six, and it officially eliminates the Cardinals from playoff contention. The Astros lost at home to the Orioles 9-5. The Rangers beat the Red Sox 6-4. The Mariners won in Oakland 7-2. So Houston now leads Texas and Seattle by just a half game in the AL West. The Rangers and Mariners are tied for the last wildcard spot as well. And Shohei Otani had his elbow fixed yesterday. Doctors reinforced his UCL. They did not give Otani a second Tommy John surgery. He is planning to DH on opening day next year, then pitch again in 2025. WNBA playoffs, Liberty fought off the Mystics 90-85 in overtime. Then the Wings smoked the dream 101-74 for two game sweeps. The Liberties hadn't the Liberty hadn't won a playoff series since 2015. Dallas, meanwhile, gets top-seeded Vegas in a best-of-five that starts Sunday. And members of Spain's World Cup-winning women's soccer team no longer boycotting that team. The Federation has agreed to a number of unspecified changes and improvements to its infrastructure. Players showed up for a training camp yesterday, and talks went deep into the night. DA, back to you. Excellent. Thank you, Bogues. We'll take a break here and try to track down Steve Largent during the commercial break. We've also got advanced analytics and your epic fail on the flip side. DA, CBS Sports Radio. The main thing is, and that's the main thing, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is playing the game. It's kind of like a tongue twister. All right, appreciate you, D.A. The D.A. Show on CBS Sports Radio. The main thing is the main thing. Keeping the main thing the main thing. The main thing. The thing that's main. Welcome back. D.A. with you here on CBS Sports Radio. You can listen to us via your smart speaker. Tell your smart speaker to play CBS Sports Radio each and every morning. Bob tweets, I need to know, where does your hatred for the Cowboys come from? I listen daily, love the show, but I don't think you've ever said anything remotely kind about them. You know, I think, if anything, my annoyance with the Cowboys, it's more annoyance than anything else. It's really not hatred. It's because there's nothing really to hate anymore because they haven't been very good in a long time. You can't hate mediocrity, and that's who the Cowboys have been for 30 years. I mean, we haven't been to championship weekend with the Cowboys playing since the mid-'90s. So it's really not hatred. I think it's annoyance in the fact that they are so wildly popular for a couple of different reasons. They used to win. Jerry keeps them as talking points. They're good enough, but not great, so there's always a collapse. They certainly have had a lot of stars come through there. So they're so popular that they become the epicenter of so many football conversations And yet, they're pretty undeserving of it when you think about it. I mean, the last 30 years, if we date back to 1996, you'd much rather have been the Philadelphia Eagles. You'd much rather have been the New York Giants. You'd much rather have been the Denver Broncos. But... Do we use those teams as this kind of emotional up and down every single year, every single week? Do those owners get in front of microphones every single week and say silly things? 
do we spend hours upon hours upon hours dissecting the quarterback play of those franchises? I mean, there's not a team in the NFL we spend more time dissecting unnecessarily than the Cowboys simply because they're popular. And if I want to take you behind the curtain, you'll watch a daytime sports debate show, and no matter what, they shoehorn Cowboys topics in there. And you're like, why are they talking about the Cowboys on, like, March 14th? Why are they leading with the Cowboys when it was not even one of the most important games of the weekend? And it's because... From a metric standpoint, you talk Cowboys and ratings just start to spike. Interest because people love or hate them. And to me, it's exhausting because they're not as important as the air that they get. They're just, but people talk about them because statistically you're supposed to, to help get your audience. And I just, I'm just consistently exhausted by the over-analysis of a team and then thus the over-expectations of a team that is far from deserving it. I mean, who's had the last better 20 years? The Cowboys or the Panthers? The Panthers have been to two Super Bowls. The Cowboys haven't gotten to an NFC Championship game since Friends started on the air. And yet, who do we talk about? Panthers or Cowboys? It's always Cowboys. So that's my annoyance with it. And when I see two weeks in, people hanging their hat on the Cowboys' dominance because they blew out a mediocre Giants team who was trailing the Cardinals by 20. And then the Jets, who have the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, and are using that as the evidence of why the the Cowboys, we can believe in them this year. I feel like it's very, very much insanity of just thinking something's going to change, even though it's the same thing every year. It's Twilight Zone stuff. Every year, people start going, Calp, this is the Super Bowl year, and 30 years later, it hasn't happened, and we're still doing this? I've got news for you. Niners are a better football team than the Cowboys, bar none, at every position. They're better. Every position. Oh, look at that Cowboys defense. Niners are better. Oh, look at Micah Parsons. Have you seen Bosa play? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dan Quinn's defense. The Niners have been to a Super Bowl and three NFC Championship games. The Niners have beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs the last two years. That's the best defense. That's the best defense. Oh, but the Cowboys, they're putting it all together. I mean, it's just silliness. So, if it sounds like I'm always taking shots at the Cowboys, it's because, A, it's exhausting to hear them propped up so often. B, it's exhausting to hear them talked about so often. But C, we know how this ends. They're not going to a Super Bowl. Why would we think it's any different? I want to talk about Julius Peppers here for a moment. By the way, we still haven't gotten a hold of Largent, so he's probably not going to call in. And this is so ironic. The most dependable set of hands in NFL history is probably Steve Largent's. 
you throw him the football and you know what route he's going to run and that he's going to catch it. Accuracy, precision, dependability. That's what made Steve Largent Steve Largent. And today, the most undependable PR team was like, we're going to have him at this time. This is the phone number. He'll be there. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I, I can't find him. The guy's a congressman, for crying out loud. I mean, we should know how to find him. Anyway, we will track him down when we can track him down, but probably not today. Sorry to the Seahawks fans that were waiting on that. But Julius Peppers is now a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. And he's he's on the ballot for this year. They just announced the finalists yesterday, or the semifinalists. And he should get in. And I don't know if he will, but he should get in. And am I... If I told you Julius Peppers' first ballot Hall of Famer, you might say, ah, I don't know. He wasn't Reggie White. He wasn't Lawrence Taylor. First ballot, I don't know, DA. I don't know. And I might say the same thing at first before really digging into the, into the resume. But the more you dissect it, the more you realize he was an all-time great player. And I think that there's two reasons why Julius Peppers is improperly rated. Number one, didn't play with one team. Isn't necessarily identifiable with one team. He was a Panther at the beginning of his career. He was a Bear. He was a Packer and then came back to the Panthers. So he, he jumped around quite a bit. So if I said, you know, Julius Peppers, who is he identifiable with? You probably say the Panthers, but... There wasn't one team through the bulk of his career. Number two, he never won a ring. So it wasn't part of a defense that won a Super Bowl. And I think that hurts him as well. But when you go through the stats, it's pretty significant what Julius Peppers did. And the guy truly was a monster for a long time. Number one, longevity. He played 17 years of the NFL. He was around so long, he's part of two all-decade teams. He's part of the all-2000s team and a member of the all-2010s team. You know how long you have to play at a really high level to be part of two all-decade teams? And he did it on the defensive side of the football, on the line. That's otherworldly. Number two, retired with the fourth most sacks ever. Fourth most sacks ever. Now, to be fair, they only started registering sacks in 1982. So guys that played before then don't get the benefit of the doubt. Guys like Deacon Jones. But still, in the last 40 years of football, he's had the fourth most sacks. Number three. He had 10 or more sacks, 10 different seasons. 10 or more sacks, 10 different seasons. That's behind only Reggie White and Bruce Smith. I mean, you go down the list and like longevity, honors, productivity, he's got it all. And he's in the category of those guys. Now, if I said Reggie White, first ballot Hall of Famer, you're like, yeah, of course. Bruce Smith, first ballot Hall of Famer, of course. You put his numbers up against him, and that's and it wasn't like he just played a long time, thus he got a lot of stats. 
He has the third most double-digit sack seasons ever. So he was that good for that long. And two all-decade teams? The guy was just a freaking monster. Remember, he played basketball at UNC as well. So in terms of complete athlete, he was beyond. I don't know. I think Julius Peppers is pretty underrated when you start to peel back the curtain, and he deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when the vote comes up this this winter. EJ, you're a Julius Peppers fan? He's a, He was a stud. And I think you're right when you say that because he he doesn't really belong to one franchise, I guess the most you would say maybe Car- of Carolina Panthers because he was drafted there and he finished his career there. But, I mean, 10 double-digit sack seasons is remarkable. And he was not, in, far as I remember at least, he wasn't playing on 85 Bears kind of defenses. Like, in many no. ways, he was the guy. He was the only potential future Hall of Famer. I know he played with Charles Woodson uh, in Green Bay, so that was the other guy on those teams, but like a lot of times, like he was the guy. So the fact that he had 10 double digit sack seasons at a time earlier in his career where it wasn't just people passing the ball 40, 50 times a game. You're talking about he started his career in 2002. So he's he notching 12 sacks, 11 sacks, 10 and a half, 13 during that era of football. Extremely impressive career. Extremely impressive. And I would think, DA, that you'd agree that he gets the sympathy vote as well because. His jersey was once defiled at Bob's Bar. Wow, I had not remembered that part of it. Right. So if it's the football is not enough from a humanitarian standpoint, rebuilding Julius Peppers, fixing that wrong should be on your mind as well. Was that last season? I think it was last season. Last season, Mraz was doing the reaction social media videos after Giants wins and losses then before the Panthers game. <laughs> He used his Peppers jersey and pretended to wipe his buttocks on the bar. And we came in on Monday and said, why did you need to do that? And he's like, basically, I was out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very early in the season, which was the follow-up. of You're already out of ideas, and this bit just was born. I had nothing left. I didn't know what else to do. It wasn't even October yet. (laughs) (laughs) But who's laughing last? Giants reaction videos got him the job down the hall. Exactly. Exactly. And Peppers might get in the Hall of Fame. Everybody wins. Everyone survived that one fateful video recording. And not for nothing, but is there a curse in Aaron Rodgers because he told Moraz to get away from him, buddy? (sighs) Now, I think technically didn't Rodgers do what he was told he could never do again? Win one playoff game. Okay. So he did do that. Against the Giants. But it almost feels like... And then he did it again against the Rams. Right. It feels like Sean's powers are stronger than Sean thought (laughs) they could be. Because they like gave him a a playoff win, but not multiple, and far more embarrassments, and now this. And now the Achilles. That's right. All right, let's get to your advanced analytics, everybody. Your poll question of the day. Analytics is just a term that's kind of thrown around a lot. It's time now for the Mothership's Advanced Analytics. Tight end Cam McCormick of the Miami Hurricanes is petitioning for a ninth year of eligibility. Nine years! Would you want to be a 26-year-old college football player? 62% of you said, no! The oldest college football player ever has been Alan Moore, 
who had his college career interrupted by the Vietnam War before returning to kick at Faulkner University. He kicked an extra point in a game at age 61. You're not, you're not serious. That's what analytics says. <laughs> if you enroll in a D1 program, you have four years of eligibility, which must be completed in five seasons. The only exemptions to pause the clock are military service, religious missions, or foreign services. For D2 and D3 schools, there's a semester clock. However, you can delay this also due to injury as well, which is what Cam McCormick is going on. He's in year eight right now because he had an Achilles and a broken ankle. Yeah, exactly. And in 2000, Chris Wanky became the oldest Heisman Trophy winner at the age of 28 because he put his football career on hold when he was drafted into Major League Baseball. Remember Chris Wanky playing nearly 30 years old in college? And then how old was Weed when he was drafted? 26? Yeah, Weedon was old, too. Yeah, Weedon was old. Old snapper. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to your epic fail of the morning, boys and girls. This dude in Buffalo. Even the DA show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. Before Bill's Raiders Sunday, a still unnamed 29-year-old man took some drugs, maybe some LSD. Now, most of us would have been done for the day at that point. <laughs> Go out, cash the Social Security checks, have a good time. I might be the psychopath here. But this guy went into a porta potty took off all his clothes, covered his now naked body with the contents oh! of said porta potty I think you're an idiot. Is it still pregame? Pre-game. This is all in the noon Eastern hour Sunday. It's the other, other pre-game show. <laughs> that, that other pre-game poop show. Poop-poop. This dude, because he's going to make good decisions, runs towards the construction site for the new Bill Stadium. He climbs a 10-foot fence and makes his first fall into the hole. He starts to run again and falls even farther down. Oh, my goodness. Now we're 30 feet below wow. sea level. I don't know how to explain it. Wow. There's even, like, a police helicopter on scene, and they say as they're hovering over this guy, laying in the hole, covered in porta potty remnants, with one hand he gives them the peace sign, with the other, I'm guessing, the middle finger. Yes. No Law has been broken. My actions don't require any defense. In the same situation, I do it again. Two 20-foot falls? Like, do drugs make you tougher, too? Instead of everything else? You can't hurt this! I'm a machine, sir! Well, I think maybe the, the arms go limber, the body goes limp. That like, you're not, like, tense, like, oh my god, I'm falling, that yes. you can just fall freely and happily, that yes. you somehow tumble better. Trust fall. So dumb. Like, dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. And of all the places to do it, a porta potty in Buffalo, which is just filled with anchor bar from last night. Ew! It's filled with Ugh. all types of... <laughs> I mean, I'd rather swim in an actual toilet than be involved with the what's in a porta pot that's just sitting there and that blue goo to like kill someone and it's just like oh I mean it's just horrible an epic fail you loser that is why you fail epic fail alright that'll do it for us this morning here on the DA show thanks to executive producer EJ Stewart thanks to Billy Jagalone on the wheels of steel thanks to Andrew Kaplan the Wizard of Watch DA and Andrew Bogish on your headlines We'll see you tomorrow for a Thirsty Thursday. Be good and be good to one another. I'm DA and the Mothership Disconnect.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.